30 seconds is a long time in a self-defense situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, that the, the clock slows down whenever I'm doing a sport. I remember when I was playing hockey, I was a goalie and people were talking about how can you stand in front of that puck when it's moving 90 miles an hour? I'm like, well, with my mental outlook or the way that I've conditioned myself, time slows down. Mm-hmm. That 90 mile an hour puck isn't moving 90 miles an hour. Sometimes it's moving so slow that I know exactly where I need to put my blocker to make that happen. Mm-hmm. My body knows. All right. Same thing with martial arts. When, when, when I'm doing something in a martial art, if I'm doing it as a sport, I can usually see that kick or punch coming before it ever gets thrown. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Conversations from the Heart. Today, we are joined by Sabamnim Eddie Brasso from Korean Martial Arts Academy out in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Welcome, sir. Hi, thank you. So it's a pleasure having you on. And, um, you know, for our students, they don't know much about you. So could you tell us a little bit how you got started in the martial arts? Uh, Sounds like you've been doing it for a very long time and uh, where you're at with your martial arts right now. I started martial arts uh, after playing hockey for many years. (laughs) Uh, I grew up playing ice hockey in Knoxville, Tennessee, of all places, (laughs) and uh, played for the university out there and and played until I started realizing that the bruises were taking a little longer to go away, (laughs) and I decided I needed something else. And I ran across some people studying Ishinru Karate mm. in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I took that up, got to the point where I thought I was pretty good, <laughs> and uh, took a break from it. Uh, this was back in the 70s, flash forward to 1983. I went to uh I was joined the Air Force in 1981 mm-hmm. and went to Korea in 1983 for the first time and met my instructor. Mm-hmm. He was uh, teaching, he was a, a Kuksul Wan master at that time. Uh, I earned my black belt through him, the first one. And then uh, in 1985, he came to the United States. Uh, of course, I was in Kwangju, Korea. I don't know if you're familiar with that little place, but mm-hmm. uh, but it's a it's a college town. Mm-hmm. Uh, very popular with the students, not very popular for the military. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to study uh, on base. I was for a long time. I was my master's only student. Mm. on base and then uh i was fortunate enough to go off base and study with him and study with with the koreans which is a little different than yeah what the americans are used to uh (laughs) we uh 
1985, he came to the United States and he went, he worked with the Kuksulan guys for a while. And then right around 1989, I want to say, he broke away from Kuksul and he and his master started Hokukmusul. Mm. And uh, rather than stay with Kuksul, I stayed with my master. Um, very fine master, Sangun Jin. He, he's uh, out in Cal Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. Uh, and awesome master, awesome friend. Uh, he, uh, he's been my biggest influence in martial arts. Uh, his, uh, his family orientation is, is just amazing. The way that he treats his students are all family. Uh, fortunately, I was in the Air Force. Uh, from 1981 until 2007, wow. and I went to, I was fortunate enough to go back to Korea. I was in the Philippines. I went to uh, Thailand, Philippines, Korea, uh, back to Korea again, <laughs> two or three, whenever I had a chance so that I could study more. Yeah. Uh, of course, I was in the military, so the military duties took priority. Uh, then I came to the United States. I opened my first school in 1992, uh, in, uh, Wichita, Kansas. Wow. Uh, I was stationed there as a very good school, uh, teaching out of a, a, a health club mm. and it worked out well for me because I, I couldn't really own anything. I was, I was in the military and I only taught when I had time to, mm -hmm. uh, but I was also fortunate enough during my endeavors to be able to study a lot of different martial arts. Uh, for instance, I, I was able to go to Thailand and learn a little bit about Muay Thai. Uh, I was uh, in the Philippines. I learned a, a little bit about Kung Tao and Eskrima, Arnis. Yeah. I, I love the Filipino martial arts. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, that brought me to a, a, a side note is whenever people would talk to me about martial arts, they would say, how long have you been playing martial arts? And I was like, I don't play martial arts. I study martial arts. And then after many years, I'm like, you know what? They were right. We play. <laughs> if, if we're just studying all the time, we're really not having fun. Uh, so we, we have to make it fun. And, and that's been my goal ever since. Uh, People say that I'm, I'm a very unique teacher and that my outlook, I'm not as rigid as a lot of instructors are. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think of the family discipline rather than the militaristic discipline. Mm -hmm. I, had, I had 26 years of military. I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't need too much more of that. Yes. So, so if we think about it as family rather than martial arts leadership, then we can lead from a hierarchy, but we lead as, as a group rather than as just one person in charge of everything. Gotcha. Awesome. But, uh, fast forward up till now, 19, uh, 1997, I got sent to Goldsboro, uh, where I was stationed at Seymour Johnson air force base after spending three years with combat comm in Germany. Uh, then uh, retired 2007, opened up, uh, help open up uh, 
Goldsboro Elite Martial Arts Academy, which is now Elite Martial Arts Academy. That is a uh, Taekwondo Mutaquan school. Mm. Uh, very good system. I mean, all the systems are good. You can't, you can't really say anything. Mm. The, uh, <clears throat> I got a different outlook on things by practicing with them. I, I was fortunate enough, uh, Master Carlos Martin was watching me one day and he, I think he's wanting to hire me. <laughs> I hit him up for a partnership and uh, for seven years I taught out at his school and we kind of combined Hokuk Musul Hapkido with uh, Taekwondo Mutaquan, yeah. which was okay, but it definitely did not bring out the best. It uh, was a, it was a very good idea that, needs a little different presentation mm. uh, one system needs to preside over the other you can't just mesh them together mm. yes, sir. Uh, I, i've been teaching outside well i taught on seymour johnson air force base from 1999 until uh well 1999 is when Hurricane Floyd came through and wiped everything out and they closed everything down. 2001, they reopened uh, for martial arts instruction. I, I taught from 2001 till 2007 on the base. Mm -hmm. and, and then in 2007, I helped start Korean Martial Arts Academy or a uh, Goldsboro Elite Martial Arts Academy. And then uh, 2011, I started Korean Martial Arts Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course we had to close down during covid um, physically um the the school still ran it just ran out of my backyard instead of <laughs> and in my backyard with masks and and just whoever wanted to come came yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh, so we kept it alive uh we uh opened up a small school a little over a year ago uh year and a half uh and we've been there ever since uh nice it's all good i appreciate y'all having me yeah no I, wow that's, that's quite the story it sounds like you've done a lot of different things and yeah it's a it's a pleasure and an honor to have you on yes, sir. um can you tell me a little bit about hokuk musu i know Kuksuwan. i i'm a taekwondo practitioner and i lived in korea for a long time too and uh when you said people um, played martial arts. It reminded me of my time in Korea and a lot of Koreans like to use that, that word play Taekwondo. And I was always a little averse to it as well. Um, but it's just, I think sort of their etymology and the way that they, they say Taekwondo player a lot of times, um, yeah. but Americans don't really understand what that means. Anyway, um, when I was over there, I had some friends who did Kuksuwan and I know some friends back in the States who do cook so on. So I, I'm, I'm somewhat familiar about that. Uh, but how is a uh, whole, whole cook? Musul. How is that different? And what is, so uh, Musul obviously means martial arts. Cook, does that mean like, mean like mix? And then ho, I don't know what that means. The way my, you know, everybody you talk to that translates stuff, translates it differently. Sure. Um, the uh, the hoku musul is, is like uh, the way I heard the translation is Korean man's martial arts. Hmm. Uh, hmm. Interesting. That's cool. 
And but, uh, what is what is uh, philosophically different about Hokuk Mosul than Kuksawan, you think? Uh, part of it is uh, it's a little more sport oriented. Kuksulawan only wants to play with Kuksula people. Mm. Uh, there's a few other systems that are the same way. They are they want to combine their system to their people. Mm -hmm. The outlook for Hokukmusul is a little more open, saying, for instance, uh, I study Korean martial arts. What was Korean martial arts designed to defend against? Mm -hmm. All right, so and this is just me speaking. I'm not really speaking for the for the system entirely. Mm -hmm. This is my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Is I study Korean martial arts. My Korean martial arts, although we had to fight off each other as much as we did anybody else, mm -hmm. most of the Korean martial arts were designed to fight against the Japanese systems and the Chinese systems. Uh, even though the there's similarities and they all they all kind of input to each other mm -hmm. but they they were designed to fight primarily the japanese yes, the uh the japanese systems have a lot to offer but the, a lot of the philosophies are different meaning uh we use the water circle harmony uh philosophy uh hu Wan hua so you've got the water that absorbs the, the energy going against them and then sends it back out. Mm -hmm. You've got the circle that redirects and mm -hmm. you've got the harmony that brings it past you and then sends it back to your opponent. Uh, very much along the same lines as Hapkido and Aikido. Mm -hmm. uh, I once asked uh, Grandmaster Songil Pak what the difference was between Aikido and Hapkido was. And among other things, Hapkido has a lot of kicks, whereas Aikido doesn't have a lot of kicks. Yeah. But uh, Aikido was a gentle style. It was, uh, by gentle, I don't mean nobody gets hurt. I mean, it's a soft style, and it's based almost completely on circles. Mm. So the, uh, the redirection, well, Master Ishiba was a, a Shinto. He followed Shinto, but before that, he was a very avid, uh, I forget the system, one of the jutsus, <laughs> I'm not sure, but uh, he, the Shinto say you don't hurt people. He says, gosh, what am I going to do? I study, you know, I've done this all my life. Well, I'm going to throw these people in a way so that if they don't land right, they're going to hurt themselves. <laughs> so, that's kind of a philosophy there. Yeah. All right. So, but Hapkido, we're going to hurt you also. <laughs> <laughs> uh, plus, we're going to finish what we do. We're, we're going to, you know, it's, it's along the, any of, it's the hard style of anything. You, you have to have a finish. Sure. Yes, sir. Does that help? <laughs> Was yeah. that along the right track? That's cool. That's all very interesting. And I like how you uh, sort of teased out different disciplines. and, and Right. Well, plus, you know, Hulkuk Musul is more open to other systems. So we're able to compete with other systems. Mm -hmm. We don't, we aren't restricted just competing among ourselves. 
we're we're competing against the Japanese styles, the Okinawan styles, the Chinese styles, the the Taiwanese styles, the Thai styles, the whatever style you you want to put out there. And I I, I like to focus on the the Eastern systems, but there's so many systems out there to learn from. Absolutely. I wanted to ask just to clarify a little bit. So you were talking about the water circle harmony. Yes, sir. Is that in relation? So I know you. With Hokuk Musul, it sounds like you are incorporating a lot of these different ideas from these different philosophies. So is water circle harmony something you would say is associated with Hokuk Musul, or is that associated with your Tai Chi and Qigong, or is it all? Kind of all intermixed together. All right. Uh, uh, we, I know this sounds weird. We consider ourselves a hard, soft system that's also internal and external. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the whole package. Separate. Yeah, that's what we try to. So we're very, uh, and I, I think one of the, the one of the biggest terms was eclectic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because you you can make anything hokuk musul. You can make anything karate. You can make it. It's kind of like kung fu. You are kung fu. You're not studying just kung fu. You're mm -hmm. You're, you are kung fu. You, if, I'm, uh, if I'm a good cook, I'm, I'm kung fu, all right? <laughs> if, uh, uh, same thing. I'm water circle harmony. I'm also uh, linear. I'm angular. I'm distance, yeah. all right? So uh, whereas primarily when you're first learning, uh, when you're first learning a hard system, you're learning block punch or block kick, block kick punch and you're learning how to defend right away. Whereas the Chinese systems say, you're gonna do this move. And then after about a year doing that move, it's like, oh, this would make a great <laughs> application for this particular scenario. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> uh, so the philosophy is a little different. The water circle harmony, all right, and, and you mix the, the, all right, so, and, you probably speak some pretty good Korean, so excuse my my <laughs> um, my destruction of the language. Yu Huan Hua, all right, and then you've also got Kang Kak Kan, and that's the that's the more angular, distance, linear portion of it. Yeah. So if you mix it all together. You've got something that's soft but hard. Yeah. I think that's great. You know, as I see the martial arts, they got kind of divided up because in, in Asian culture, there's not a lot of intermixing of ideas. And in fact, your master um, is impressive, not only because he sounds like a really nice guy and family-oriented, but also because as a Korean, thinking like that, thinking like very undogmatically open-minded is really amazing and very impressive. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, the Taekwondo guys didn't spar the karate guys and they didn't spar the, the Hapkido guys and the Judo guys. And there wasn't a lot of intermixing of ideas back in the day until it started coming over to the West and we had no reservations about mixing ideas. <laughs> so, you know, we've learned a lot in the last 30 or 40 years about you know the benefits of let's say 
um, being a hard style or a soft style or internal or external or all these things that you're kind of bringing together. Mm. And I think that's the ultimate goal is to really look at the martial arts as just one discipline that we can draw from to create a, uh, you know, a, a, way, a mode of self-defense that is, is right for that particular moment. And, you know, like what you're talking about is very similar to our one-way program here and what we're trying to accomplish too. You know, there's nothing, I, you know, I was a Taekwondo practitioner my whole life. And, you know, for me, Taekwondo was what I studied, whatever that was, like what I knew and what I had to teach that was Taekwondo as a Taekwondo practitioner. And when I went to Korea after studying in Muay Thai and jiu-jitsu and all these other disciplines and trying to make my taekwondo kicks even more powerful and more dynamic and all this kind of stuff when he went over there they said well even though it's got more power and the same amount of speed we're gonna have to change the way you do that kick because it's not the exact official way and everything had to be remolded to the cookie cutter and it was like after that at that point in my life i've been training for you know decades and it was like I, you know, being the humble person, or I don't know if I'm, I, if you can say you're humble, that's not very, <laughs> that's not very humble, but be, trying to be hum the humble person that I want to be, I just said, yes, sir. And I just did what they told me to do when I was there. That's a wise decision. <laughs> so that's what you do when you go into a, a new school, you bow your head and you do as they do, you empty your cup. And so I just did it, but emptying my cup after 20 years of training, being a martial instructor with my own students at back in the States that was very difficult and it felt to me like there was no way to move forward because i had to basically just stay within this box and that that's why when i came back to the states i just felt so strongly that i you just you just need to if you want to be able to grow as a martial artist you need to be able to say martial arts or your discipline is whatever you do you as as the practitioner and you said that just a second ago uh, somewhere in that in that speech <laughs> this idea that um, it's not really the, the 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 discipline that's so important. It's it's the individuals that are in the discipline, uh, and I agree with that so much. Well, the cookie cutter. I love that philosophy there. Uh, uh, the cookie cutter is very important. Mm. We have to have a base. Mm. You can't expand if you don't have a good background. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. So. You 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 went to Korea. You 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 uh, you bowed your head and you moved on and you let them teach you what they had to teach you. Mm -hmm. Then you come back and you use it as you feel fit. Mm -hmm. All right, as long as you as long as you're living within the guidelines somewhere. All right, if you get too carried away, then you're just not going to work. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, of course, you know, I've pushed that issue a few times myself. <laughs> uh, experimentation is how you learn. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I think that's an interesting um, segue into our topic for today, which is, you know, martial arts as a sport versus martial arts for self-defense. And, you know, in my own discipline of Taekwondo, when I started doing Taekwondo, it was because Taekwondo was a self-defense discipline created for the Korean military that was being spread throughout the world. And that's principally why I learned Taekwondo. However, my particular style of Taekwondo, which is sort of the original style of Taekwondo, the Kukiwon Taekwondo, 
got in the Olympics. And when it got in the Olympics, it started getting a lot of recognition. You know, when I first started Taekwondo, no one knew what Taekwondo was. They never heard of Taekwondo before. It was this weird word. Now everyone knows what Taekwondo is because it was in the Olympics. And Koreans, they got the little, the little, no disrespect intended, they would, they would say this themselves, the little shrimp complex, which they, they feel like they're, they're this little tiny country between these two giants. You know, they got Japan on one side and China on the other. And so anytime they get on the world stage, they become really excited about this and they want to just focus on that. And so there's been this incredible push in the last 20 years or so to just focus on Taekwondo as an Olympic sport. And that has been very detrimental to the self-defense skills of Taekwondo as they they put uh, the emphasis on developing those skills. And so um, that's been quite difficult for me. And that's obviously different from the path of my own school. But um, I think it's a really good launching off point for a discussion about, well, you know, what is the benefits of sport versus self-defense? And, um, you know, how can we, so like, for example, in sport, you learn a lot of time and distance. You have to spar to develop time and distancy. If you don't do any sparring, you'll never learn that. But if you just go full contact, full bore, no holds barred, you can tear off their testicles, gouge out their eyes. We're going to do one match and then we'll never be able to spar again. You know what I mean? Right. So there has to be, there has to be rules. And when you create rules, it becomes a sport. So it's this really interesting, di- uh, I don't know if dichotomy is the right word, uh, between you know, trying to make rules that are safe, but also try to create a, an environment where you can learn those skills in, in that sort of sport environment. So what are your thoughts on self-defense and on sport? I've, I've, and this is definitely not the first time I've had this conversation. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the martial sport is very important, all right? The fitness aspect of the sport is amazing. All right, because you're moving all the time, you have to be in good physical condition. Whereas if you're just worried about self-defense, physical conditioning isn't, I won't say it's not as important, but it is not stressed as much because I don't have to have the endurance. Uh, How long does a fight last? (laughs) I mean, the average fight lasts about five seconds. All right. And I'm I'm actually giving a little bit of uh, leeway there, you know, Somebody gets hit, somebody gets put on the ground, somebody gets pounded, basically. All right. Now, if it's even, hey, we'll give it 30 seconds. But but 30 seconds is a long time in a self-defense situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the, the clock slows down. Whenever I'm doing a sport, I remember when I was playing hockey, I was a goalie, and People were talking about how can you stand in front of that puck when it's moving 90 miles an hour? I'm like, well, with my mental outlook or the way that I've conditioned myself, time slows down. Mm-hmm. That 90 mile an hour puck isn't moving 90 miles an hour. Sometimes it's moving so slow that I know exactly where I need to put my blocker to make that happen. Mm-hmm. My body knows. All right, same thing with martial arts. When, when, when I'm doing something in a martial art, if I'm doing it as a sport, I can usually see that kick or punch coming before it ever gets thrown. Mm. Um, 
same thing, self-defense. So what is the difference? All right. The, the difference is, is I'm, when I score in a, in a sport, depending on which system you're doing, all right, uh, if I'm doing a, a traditional karate tournament, somebody scores, they stop you right there. They go back to the point. We give a point here. All right. Whereas Taekwondo, uh, they do the running clock. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but regardless, it's still mostly feet. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fantastic. But in order to get a martial art out of that martial sport, you need to be able to use your hands and feet where they mm-hmm. score similarly. <laughs> Just because I can do a spin kick, hey, I can use a spin fist and accomplish the same thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and they've, they've accomplished that pretty much by making sure that you make eye contact before you do a back fist. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good thing. Now, as far as, as far as the martial art, Compared to the martial sport, well, most of the martial sports don't allow the takedown. Sure. All right? If you sweep, you're 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 probably endangering somebody's ankles or knees. That's that's something you have to be aware of. The uh, so what's the focus? All right, what I've noticed, my instructor does a, a major taekwondo tournament every year. Mm-hmm. He's he's Kukiwan. He's big. You know, he's big in, in the U.S. He does the Santa Cruz Open every year in Santa Cruz, California. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's been been missing the last few years since COVID. But uh, he, uh, he allows open forms. All right. So you can bring different systems in there. Hokuk Musul. Usually it's, uh, it's the Korean styles over there. It seems like it's more popular Taekwondo. Uh, and then all the sparring is done with uh, Taekwondo rules. Mm. And hey, if you if they also have uh, some some of the schools over there have a self defense competition where you would demonstrate your self defense techniques. I love the Korean self defense techniques. The uh, Hapkido mm. is amazing. The, the systematic way they work up the arm. They uh, and then the Kuksul even even refined it a little differently. Uh, there's there's so much to learn from each of the systems. Yeah. The martial sport. I'm not going to say which one's better because hey, I know some some excellent martial artists that only compete in sports. Yeah. Uh, the uh, you know, and and of course you know the rave the rage the last decade or so has been Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's a sport too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then people just got to be smart enough to tap out. <laughs> so, yeah. So. yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's really you need them both. Um, it, sometimes I meet people who are very hands off with sparring, but they think they can kill you in two seconds. You know, and it's like, but you've never had any contact training like how, how do you know that you know right get at school who says who's never fought in his life but says yeah but if i fought i'd, I'd kill you you know like I, i'd be a monster <laughs> it's like no no you wouldn't you probably would lock up and just like be like a deer in the headlights and do nothing you know that's what most people do without training and um 
Yeah. I think, you know, if you took anyone in Korea, like I trained with some really phenomenal people. My wife was a professional uh, Taekwondo player and all the places I trained, people were just phenomenal athletes, trained like eight hours a day. And if you took any of those people, first of all, they would just murder somebody on the street, just even with their sport kicks, you know. But if you took that person and you just changed up a little bit of what they were doing, you kind of filled in a few of the gaps in their knowledge, they would be amazing because their fitness, their timing and distancing is all phenomenal. They just need to, you know, make a few little changes to kind of um, fill in the gaps in their knowledge. I admire the training of Taekwondo probably more than any other system, especially mm. with the legs. Mm. Uh, the uh, uh, and I'm, by Taekwondo, I I, I talk about uh, uh, WTF Taekwondo. Mm -hmm. uh, they their emphasis on the legs is just so much, and the conditioning. I, I watch these stretches that they do. I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh. Whereas I I grew up with Ishinru, where you didn't you know you didn't go above the solar plexus on a kick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, I, I, I basically spent my life, when I was five, I started traditional martial arts. When I was 15, I got into mixed martial arts. And so I kind of had one foot in both worlds. And, you know, you meet all these people in the mixed martial arts world that don't have a lot of respect for traditional martial arts, unfortunately. And you'll have some guy who's been training for like two months in, let's say, like BJJ. And he thinks he is a bigger bigger deal than some guy over there in Korea who is on like the demonstration team um, because he thinks what he's doing is real martial arts. And what the funniest thing is, is this little guy, he trained, who thinks he's so big, trains like two times a week and that's it. And the guy over in Korea, he's training like eight hours a day. Okay. And he is a phenomenal athlete. You know, when my wife went off, uh, to uh, boarding school to become a Taekwondo athlete. Her master shaved off all her hair, told her she took away all of her makeup, said she could never wear makeup. She can't have a boyfriend. You, you train now, now you sleep, you eat, now you train, now you sleep. She sleep in the middle of the day, had to take like naps. She couldn't go out into the town to, uh, to, to have fun with her friends, except for like on little trips that they would like let her like relax for a little bit. That's the level of intensity, okay? So this little guy here who thinks he's so, such big, part of my language, such a big shit, is like talking now to this person over here who's like at a totally different level. Like you can't even do that level in the United States. There's no place in, in the United States that can even compare to that. And it, it's very upsetting to people like me who, who know that, who, who really know these two worlds. And I have a lot of respect for both of them in different ways, but I just wish they this new emerging world, the, the, the world of MMA, which we've made tons of progress in the development of, of technique and stuff, had a little bit more respect for the generation that came before. It's a lot like yet yeah, maybe the younger generation now not having the respect, giving the respect that the older generation deserves uh, because it's because of their sacrifice and their thoughts and insight that we are where we are right now. That, uh, that makes sense. The, uh, the, I know when I was in Korea, I was training anywhere from three to five hours a day. Um, I was very fortunate. 
mm-hmm. uh, because I was able to do the on base off base thing. <laughs> uh, when I was on base, I basically had a private teacher um, because it wasn't as popular. Mm-hmm. People had other priorities over there. Let's put it that way, <laughs> especially GIs. Uh, and the, I, I like, and, and don't take this wrong from your wife. She is basically an indentured servant. Right? <laughs> All right. And my, my grandmaster, when, when he was studying, when he was teaching with the association he was priorly with, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. That's basically what he was as a, as a fifth or sixth degree master he was still that way mm-hmm. and he is teaching that grandmaster's children mm-hmm. <laughs> so the uh you know that's all they were able to do they had a room they had rice they got their kimchi they um they got to eat uh whenever they were allowed to and at other times all the rest of the time they were at the beck and call of their of their hierarchy, mm-hmm. uh, which I can respect, but I never had to go through it. So I will never really know. The closest mm-hmm. thing I did was military training where they, and, you know, they did the same thing except in a shorter period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, they do the same with all the different branches. They, they put you through basic training where they make you nothing and they build you back up. Uh, yeah. It seems like you've had a lot of experience uh, being in the military for so long and going over to Korea and having those experiences and, you know. That's that's why I joined, was to see the world. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's rare that I, I get somebody on who's been to Korea as well and has, has extensive experience with Korean culture and stuff. Uh, do you like Korean food? I love it. <laughs> okay. right. So what's your favorite Korean food? Probably Samgyupsal. Okay. Uh, I love that. It's, <laughs> it's the most fun, and it goes really well with soju. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I really like kimchi jjigae, too. Uh, just, oh, yeah. Anything I love, before I went to Korea, I love spicy, and I love meat. And I found that everything in Korea is spicy meat, so it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they have other stuff, too. But. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. All the side dishes are, are really good with it too. Oh, yeah. uh, I, my when when whenever we'd have promotion testing, we would have a big party afterwards, mm-hmm. and it just so happened that one of his students' fathers, masters, whatever, owned a Korean restaurant mm-hmm. and uh, or a restaurant in Korea, <laughs> and. He would always have different things. One of the most original things was raw octopus mm. uh, still moving around. It's like, oh, so you got to be very careful eating that. You to cut it up a little bit, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. die. You cut, yeah. yeah. It gets caught in your throat and you're done. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I, I've eaten that, too. And you, even if you cut it up, I mean, it lives for like 45 minutes after you cut it up because every arm has its own brain and whatnot. And so, oh, yeah. You try to get it, you know, <laughs> suction cup into your mouth, and that's it too. Uh, you get caught on your tongue, and it's like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a, 
I had dog when I was over there. I had silk pupa. They call it pandegi. Yeah, they eat it like popcorn. Yeah, they like popcorn. <laughs> it's old. It's, yeah. it's exactly like, a, what is it, Timon, Pumba or Timon, whatever the warthog's name was, the Lion King. <laughs> yeah. Satisfying or whatever. <laughs> uh, that was good, uh, though. It didn't taste bad. Yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> Uh, I have no food aversion. <laughs> it's a, yeah. yeah. I don't I, know if you, um, did you ever go to uh, China in your travels? Never got to go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I thought Korean food was, was a little, a little on the scary side, you know, after all the things I ate over there. And then, you know, the Koreans would be like, no, no, no. You want to scary? <laughs> go to China. <laughs> and, uh, you know, even like sometimes I go with my friends to the China, Chinatown in Korea and it's kind of cool. There's like, you know, we how we have our own Chinese food in America. Oh, yeah. have their own Chinese food in Korea. Like, have you mm. had uh, uh, black noodles? Yes. Yeah. And and um, you go in there and there's like steam coming up out of the vents. It's like, hor- it's like literally like a horror movie. <laughs> and, and there's just whole rats speared on sticks and scorpions and tarantulas. Yeah. And every, every, like... Oh my God, centipedes! Like, yeah, I must have. I must have been there. <laughs> when I when I'm walking downtown into the market and you see a dog on the cutting board, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're like, oh, that this is a pet shop. Hey, I'll, I'll take one of those cats. And she's like, okay. She like gets out a bag. She throws a cat in the bag, and then she starts slamming into the table until it's dead, and then hands it to you. You're like, oh, tenderized. Uh, what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that uh you know i was i was uh i went through a survival course in the philippines you know they of course you know, goats real popular there um the uh of course they eat dog ever that's what one of the things they're known for mm-hmm. is uh, the koreans and the and the filipinos are known for eating dog yes. uh, yeah i can live with that yeah, I mean- <laughs> It's an animal, you know, if we're being totally honest. I think we have an aversion to it because we're so close with dogs in America. We keep right. But if, but if you look back uh, when they're exploring America, uh, what well, was one of their main <laughs> foods? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, horse too, you know, like you got to eat. Right. Um, at least it's not cannibalism. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the other thing I like about my Korean martial art is that we utilize the weapons. Mm, uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we, we use the same traditional weapons that the Kuksul guys use and the Huarong the Huarong used. Um, what what are those weapons, sir? Well, I I focus on uh, the staff, the Danbong, the the short stick. Yeah. The medium sticks, uh, which is the same thing as the Filipino martial arts, mm-hmm. uh, the escrima, uh, the uh, sword is a very popular weapon. Uh, they they say sword that or, uh, the, kind of style? well, the straight sword, yeah. uh, but it's basically the same thing as a katana. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, they say that. Uh, that the design for the katana actually came from Korea. Whether mm-hmm. it's true or not, hey, don't know. Who knows? I, Nobody I knows it. Like that too. So I'm not sure. You know, you might be right on that. But uh, 
you know, the, they've got the, uh, the double short knives that were, that's a very popular weapon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the philosophy that the, uh, the, the Salsa, which is the Korean ninjas, basically, or the Hwarong that were secret, secret service. Uh, the, uh, the females had knives hidden all over their body. Uh, they would have them in their sleeves, in their legs, on their belts, behind their neck. And they were, they were the ones that were defending the royalty rather than the, the knights. Mm. <laughs> uh, because there was so, so much politics involved over there yeah. that they had to have their own secret service. Uh, That's cool. Do you teach the throwing knives? I don't. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not well-versed in those either. I've tried. And every time I get the wrong side of the knife hitting the board, or <laughs> it's hard. I've been known to play with it a little bit, but yeah. only enough to make a fool out of myself. Yeah. Uh, the uh, I love the knife forms. Uh, I do the uh, I do the double ended spear, uh, which is basically uh, a full size spear that's got the tip on both ends, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a uh, it's. It's a pretty good weapon. You know, it's got the horse tail hanging off of it like the like the traditional spear does. Yeah. But you've got both ends to work with. That's really uh-huh. cool. It's like it's like a badass version of the bow staff, you know. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't mind my asking, how do you carry that? How do you store it? Like do you just like because if you're wanting to keep both ends sharp in, in a practical sense, are you well, it's, it's, this one is something that's obviously a weapon, right. all right? So when you're carrying it, you're not worried about hiding it. Sure. Um, the, uh, the, way, the way I carry it is just like you would a staff. You, you want you know, one side up, one side down, and one side not touching the ground. Sure. So one of the best ways to do that is to get kind of an open, kind of an open chumbi stance, mm-hmm. Uh, but relaxed. And then when you go to attention, you hold on to the staff at your waist level and you hold it and it automatically comes off the ground. That's mm-hmm. something I learned from the Okinawan martial arts is uh, you'll, you'll be in your stance, the staff will be touching around, you straighten up and it's off of the ground. And that way you don't have to worry about lifting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That answer your question? It does. Thank you. <laughs> okay. that's awesome yeah i'm i'm fascinated by weapons i would i would say that i've been exposed to weapons throughout my training but i've never like focused just in on them you know but there's only so much focus you can have as one person um there's just too much to do in the martial arts there's just too much to explore and that's why it's just so beautiful yes you know the uh the Kuksul sword form is probably one of the most popular sword forms that I see in traditional sword forms. Uh, ours is a slight variation because I guess there's some copyright stuff going on there now. Uh, <clears throat> but it's, it's almost exactly the same. And, you know, our, our inverted sword form is basically the simplified version of, of the Kuksul inverted sword form. Mm-hmm. It teaches the principles without going too in depth into it, whereas our system is probably more sports oriented than than 
just self-defense orientation. I know it's easier. Well, you don't have to know as many techniques mm. now as you did back when I was coming up mm. to earn your black belt. Uh, when, when I was looking through the book, when I earned my, what they consider black belt now is what I would consider a little over middle level comparatively. That's not to say they don't catch up. I'm just saying to actually earn your black belt, that's what you have to know, what you're required to know. I mean, that's across the board. I think almost all disciplines, the, the standard for black belt has diminished, especially in the West. But it's also a perceptional thing too, because in the East, getting a black belt is very different than in the West getting a black belt. A lot of times in Korea and stuff, people are getting black belts in one year, but they're also training five days a week. And a black belt means something very different over there than it does over here. You know, in Korea, it means that you're a competitor. And because of Western sensibility, a lot of people think it means you're an expert. And it doesn't really mean you're an expert. It means that you you know the fundamentals enough that you can go into an open competition and not get murdered by somebody All right. in their life, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, it also means whatever you think it means when you give out a black belt. Like, if you think it means you're an, it's an expert, then you're going to give out a black belt in 10 years, and it does mean that they're an expert. Like, that's what it means. It means whatever the instructor thinks it means when they award those belts. Um, right. But there has been, in, in Taekwondo, for example, a, a slow decay of um, time and rank and knowledge of curriculum uh, across the board, both on the Kukiwan side, reducing standards down, and then also definitely on the Western side where, you know, I took uh, seven years to get my black belt and I was, the, uh, not to be, be cocky, but to just so that People don't think it was because I sucked. I was like the top student in my school. I was killing everybody, you know, and I was trained all the time and it, it took me seven years. Um, and even in my own school, I don't think anyone's taken seven years to get their black belt. And, um, and so, but my standards for black belt are much higher than most people. Usually it takes about five or six years to get a black belt in my school. And a lot of schools, like even my, Oh, master's school maybe takes three years. Some schools now are two, two and a half years to a black belt. And that's just, it seems almost a mockery of all the hard work and dedication that the generation before put in to get those ranks, to build them up in the sort of American uh, mindset and mind as being something of value. Right. I know uh, uh, when, when I, when my students earn their black belt, I told I tell them this is the equivalent of graduating high school. Yes, sir. All right. Now you're ready to start learning. Yes, sir. All right. So, you know, you, you, you get out of high school, you get that diploma and you move on and you start to earn your associate's degree. All right. That's like the second degree. And then third degree would be like earning your bachelor's. All right, fourth degree. Now you're ready to start moving into the master's program. Yes, um, now, how long does it take? It doesn't take near the time that it used to. But I don't want that to belittle what we did 
we just have that much more knowledge to pass out. Mm-hmm. Um, what I was required to do as a black belt and what the following generation was required, now it's even easier. But what I tell my students, all right, my black belt is a black belt. My first degree students are going to learn the entire curriculum that I had to learn before they earn their second degree. Yes, sir. And then they can start learning forward. So rather than, uh, well, we'll say eight sets of uh, eight sets of techniques, which means, you know, probably a hundred different techniques. Uh, they're going to have to learn the additional hundred techniques plus the techniques that they had to learn to get their second degree. So they're going to work hard for that second degree. Now, how many people are going to stick around that long? That's the thing as you have to have my, I kept on getting black belts and they quit after they made black belt, which means, Hey, they're, they fulfilled their bucket list. Okay. Earn a black belt, blah, blah, blah. All right. You have to have something for them to look forward to afterwards. All right. I had a black belt program that they were designed to learn black belt. I had nothing to teach them after that. Uh, So I had to make sure that I have a program that can expand and go further and further. When I've got second and third degree black belts, maybe fourth degree black belts. Of course, I'm only fourth degree myself. (laughs) So. So I wanted to ask in regard to that, you know, we've been talking about martial art, martial sport, um, the difference between the arts, but also the similarities. And I'm curious, one thing we haven't really dug into is the incorporation of Tai Chi and Qigong at the, uh, at the academy. And I'm wondering, you know, as just the kind of role of the Tai Chi and Qigong in your school, you know, is it a matter of, okay, my second degree, third degree black belts, now it's time to start really digging into the internal. And is, is that part of it? Or I, I'm just curious about. As part of my system, I teach, ac- teach acupressure points. Okay. Uh, for instance, when we do a block, we normally block right inside the wrist, correct? All right, somebody punches at you, you block about right around where the wrist bone is, a little bit behind it. Every time I hit that point, I'm actually striking a lung meridian. That's on the inside of the wrist. All right, so if I go two fingers down from the wrist bone, I'm hitting basically what I call lung seven. All right, if you press on that, if you hold your arm out and you press 90 degrees in on that spot, you're going to find that it's tender. All right, if I go to my elbow and I come up to about the 10 o'clock position and I go three fingers in and I press down directly in, all right, I'm hitting colon 10, all right, which also makes the hand want to go just kind of floppy, but there's after effects. All right, so we teach acupressure, but we also teach the breathing. We have a set of breathing exercises we do before at the beginning of each class. Mm-hmm. So Qigong is kind of in, is in it, built into the system. Yeah. Now, later on, we teach them how to breathe and maybe how do you get your best when, you, when you're winded? How do you get your wind back? Yes, sir. 
<clears throat> I teach them just a nice, simple exercise. And you may call it Qigong, you may not. I take three really good deep breaths. Mm, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, inhale, hold it, mm. and then slowly let that breath out. And that way you're taking control of your wind again. Uh, tai, uh, tai Chi, or Tai Chi is, Tai Chi makes good Qigong, whereas Qigong doesn't necessarily make good Tai Chi. <laughs> so if I'm holding this position, I've got my hands held out. And so I don't know if you're familiar with Qigong, but they got one that you, where you come straight out from your chest and it's called hugging the tree. Well, if you bring your elbows out, hugging the tree is different from if you let your elbows drop. Yes, sir. I can hold, I can, with my elbows down, I can hold that pose forever. But if I've got my elbows out now, I'm thinking about my arms getting tired while I'm breathing. And if I can get past that point, you know, inhale, exhale, tongue on the roof of the mouth, inhale through your nose, out through your nose, uh, you get a different aspect of it. And eventually it's like, oh, I can do this. You know, eventually you get to where you don't think about your arms anymore. Mm -hmm. All right. So what are you enhancing when you're doing that? Well, if you're enhancing your chi flow, the way that your chi flows is going to make a difference on how you do things. Mm -hmm. uh, traditional karate is real big on breathing a certain way when you make a certain move. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Taekwondo is now Korean karate, mm -hmm. uh, not WTF. All right. WTF is in their own world. I like that. They, uh, WTF Taekwondo, I think, seems to focus more on the old Taekyeon principles where the feet are more of an important part of the philosophy. If you watch the old Taekyeon guys, I, I know you being in Korea, you probably got to see some of that. Uh, you see these guys dancing around almost capoeira style, mm -hmm. and, they're, and then suddenly somebody's foot in somebody's face, um, or somebody's doing a takedown with their shoulder and their legs rather than their hands and their legs. And amazing to watch. Mm -hmm. uh, but the breathing has so much to do with that. And that's where the Qigong comes in. All right. Uh, Qigong is not voluntary. Tai Chi is voluntary <laughs> in my school. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, tai Chi is boring for people that don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, I, I teach primarily Yang style, but I love to experiment with the chin systems and the Wu systems uh, and, and the Sun systems too. There's, there's just so much to learn from each of them. And if you hear the story behind them, that's even better. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I did uh, Tai Chi, Yang style Tai Chi for a couple of years back in college and found it pretty awesome. So. Yeah. I like, I like the story behind Yang. He's a, you know, he was accepted by the chin, and he actually defeated him. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure having you on. We've, we've talked to you off for over an hour, so I know you have, you know, things we got to get to, but we, we definitely appreciate you coming on and sharing your wisdom with our students and with us. And um, 
sounds like, uh, you know, you got good things going on out there with your school and we wish you the, the best of luck in all your endeavors. Thank you. I hope the same thing for you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime, anytime. We'd love to have you back on and we can talk about some other subject. You seem to have a lot of knowledge, not just about your style of martial arts, but of the martial arts as a whole, how, you know, Japanese styles fit in with Chinese styles and Korean styles and even Filipino martial arts. So that's a rare thing. And everything has something to offer. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, um, if you ever have any questions, be free to call. Feel free to call. I can't untie my tongue right now, uh, and I may I may hit you up too. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely, sir. All right. Well, have a great day. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. If you enjoyed that podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as hitting the notification bell. We offer in-person group and private lessons at our facility in Kyle, Texas, as well as virtual lessons anywhere in the world. If you'd like to learn more about our programs, you can find us online at risingphoenixtkd.com.